This person has made a big impact on our life. Have really learned a lot from her. All right, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> no, we've had our own little counseling in this whole thing. This has been quite the counseling session. <laughs> I hope you've learned a lot. We've definitely benefited from this. <laughs> you see we. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, and I just said we. Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. This is our first two chapters of our amazing book club conversation experience extravaganza. To be honest, it was a little weird going back and reading things that we had written a long time ago. Yeah, I would have changed a lot of things you wrote. What? (laughs) I mean, but before we get into this, I do want to say that this podcast is going to be bananas. Oh boy, here we go. Right? Yes, because we have some great, great people to introduce you today. Yeah. We're going to wait. We're not going to get to that quite yet because we're going to bring... They're an adventurous couple. Yes. And and which is a great reason why we brought them into this specific episode. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, we want to talk about the first two chapters of Love or Work. Yeah. First chapter is called The Great Adventure. Yes. And we get to share a little bit about how this whole project started, about our Westy van about doing adventures with you, all the good stuff, right? Yes. It's not an adventure until... Something goes wrong. Wow. We even talked about that just recently. Because it always goes wrong. Something (laughs) goes wrong all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was looking back in the questions at the end about how your original adventure of life has like changed directions. Mm. And I think, you know, we wrote this book before COVID. And now I think all of us, every single person listening has had their life turned upside down in some way or another with this COVID issue. Yeah, there's not any of us that haven't done something, had some expectations, made a plan, and we had to change it. We had to to pivot. pivot. I think everybody's tired of the word pivot, honestly. We're all like... Uh, over that word again but <laughs> we had to cancel everything cancel everything uh but you know that's kind of i think it's a big part of our family dimension today my hope is for our kids they have become more resilient in the misses that they're able to you know just naturally shift based on some of the hard things they've had to go through yeah and i think it is true that we've seen it ourselves in our kids i think things that used to be a really big deal about having to cancel, whether that's play dates or things like that. Now, when there are big things that we have to cancel, like an entire trip to Michigan over Christmas <laughs> um, to see their grandparents that they miss, it's like, oh, okay. Like it's hard for a moment, but they've done so much better than ever before in that. Yeah. One of the questions in the end is really talking about our love story because we talk about how whenever we interview people, we always ask their love story, how they fall in love. You'll hear that even in the interview today. And I think it's interesting. I mean, when you think about our love story, what do you remember as something that was surprising to you in our love story? Right now, thinking back, man, it's been almost 20 years ago. Well, I mean, if we're One of the things that I don't know if it was surprising, but one of the things that drew me to you in that way was your spirit of adventure as well. And when we were dating, we took like 15 people 
on a trip to Puerto Rico to work at this camp and do cleanup after a hurricane. And I remember you and I being in charge of 15 people who literally had never... One person had never been out of the state of Michigan. Yes. Yeah. And some <laughs> never to any other country. And Puerto Rico is America, but it's still it's Spanish a culture, speaking, yeah. a different culture. And so it was this huge adventure, but it was something that even when we were dating that I thought to myself, wow, to have a partner to be able to do this with and to, you know, there's a lot of scary and unknown moments in doing that trip as what were we, were we 20? I think we were 20. Yeah. We couldn't rent a car. We were too young to rent a car. I mean, ridiculousness that we went through to get these 15 people there. And that adventure spirit, that whole part even drew me to you and our love story and still continues today. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we were laying in bed after a long day. And you said to me, <laughs> you said, I'm like, what is, um, do you still you love me? Oh. You said that, right? Which is interesting. I think it's an interesting question for you to potentially ask your partner. Hopefully this isn't like causing what? tension because, you know, I, I, yes, I still love you in that moment. I don't know that I would say I would have lo- liked, liked you, you yeah, we, in the moment. The liking goes away sometimes. Yeah. And if, like looking at life as an adventure is a positive way. Sometimes you have to look at life like, well, I don't know what it is, but it's not fun. Yeah. And in the midst of when it's not fun, it doesn't feel like an adventure. And it, and it oftentimes like you start blaming each other. And All you're like, I things. don't like you today. So just Spirals. give me some space. Yes. You know? <laughs> but reminding myself of how I fell in love with you, why I love you, what I love about you. Those were things this set me in the right trajectory again. Yeah. And I think that goes into our interview today. Yes. Because this couple, uh, Emily and Jesse Cole, that we are interviewing today really go into like how they're falling in love also plays into their whole entire life right now. Yeah, their adventure in business. They they went on a crazy adventure in starting a business. Yes. Called Savannah Bananas. Yes. It's a baseball team. <laughs> if you didn't know. You didn't it's know. It's just all over national news. But in case you didn't it's a, know. It's a very small minor league baseball team in Savannah, Georgia. That's making national headlines. Because, because they're reimagining the baseball experience, because right? Because they're kind of crazy. They are... Bananas. Bananas. There they're, we go. they're embodying the brand in every way. So we want you to hear their story, their adventurous story today, and then we're going to unpack it again in the end. Yeah. Let's go bananas. Let's go bananas. Here we go. Emily and Jesse Cole. How did you two fall in love? I was working for Rifkin Baseball right out of school. And Jesse was working for a team in North Carolina. And he was 
really ahead of his time, but kind of stuck in a position where he wasn't learning a lot. And so he decided to put on his own conference as what, 24 year old. Yes. Um, so very young and very inexperienced, but he threw this conference because he wanted to learn from the best. And so one of my bosses from Rifkin baseball went to this conference. And during one of the times that Jesse was on stage, she heard him speak and she actually left the room and called me and said, I just met the guy you're going to marry. What? Are you serious? That was the original. We weren't in love though. There was no love. That's the background of how we actually got connected because she just heard his passion and his reason for doing what he was doing in this industry. And it was the same as mine. And so we were states apart, but we had somebody who kind of connected our visions. And so We met that year and we stayed in touch over the next couple of years while we were both with separate teams. And then we re-met at a conference for minor league baseball and really have just talked ever since that day. And, you know, the passion really started that weekend for what we were doing in the industry. And we just had these ideas. And so I think originally our connection was the industry and our job. And of course, it just grew from there. Wow. So how long have you been together now? Together or in love? Oh, oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just messing, I'm just messing with it. No, it, uh, it, it, like 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. Yeah. yeah. At the conference I was talking about, you know, grandma beauty pageants and flatulence fun nights and salute underwear nights and all the crazy things we were doing. <laughs> and some reason her boss said, this is a guy for you. And, and so, uh, you know, a year later she came by and came by the stadium and I was doing uh, the thriller dance with all the players teaching them thriller dance. And I was sweating and disgusting and some reason she kept in touch and, yeah, she became our director of fun when she joined our team in Gastonia. So we had the same passion for making baseball fun and just having a great time. And so, you know, when you have such a great, strong passion, it's easy to fall in love. And so we we linked on that passion and then started actually, it was like, wow, this, this girl's got a lot of amazing things. And then we started growing from there. So teaching baseball players thriller, that's an interesting segue. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's where we were going. I'm sorry. I know, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit. If someone has never, I mean, you guys are both owners of the Savannah Bananas, which is a great name. And t- tell us a little bit about that story. What? How, how did you get this team? And and if no one's been to the experience or seen the ESPN story on it or whatever, like what, how would you explain what you guys do? Yeah, it's very easy to buy a team. You go through outrageous amounts of debt. So we took on uh, uh, $1.8 million in debt uh, just six years ago now. And I'll never forget, yeah, we we wanted to buy this expansion team. You know, our friends were, you know, getting iPads and iWatches. And we said, let's buy a baseball team. And so we went to Savannah, Georgia, and uh, there was professional baseball there for 90 years. And they were just failing. You know, we went to a game right after I proposed in front of a sold-out crowd with our team in Gastonia. She surprised me with a trip to Savannah. We went there. And there was only what, 200 people at the ballpark. Yeah, it, was just, it was a Saturday night. It was beautiful, but there was, there was no life in the stadium and mm. it made us really sad. And so from that moment, we had the idea of if this market ever becomes available, you know, we want to bring life back into this stadium. Yeah. So long story short, we failed miserably when we first got there. Uh, we only sold two tickets in our first three months. Uh, it was very bad. It was our <laughs> two tickets. Okay. It was a donation. This gentleman was like, just take this. We feel bad for you guys. Like, it was bad. <laughs> Uh, and that was just six years ago. And then on January 15th, 2016, I'll never forget, uh, we were together at my uh, best friend's wedding and we got a phone call at 4.45 PM that we were about to overdraft our account. We were out of money. And it wow. was then that she turned to me and said, we have to sell our dream house. And so we sold our house, emptied our savings account. And just six years ago, we were sleeping on an airbed uh, with no money, 
trying to make ends meet. We said we have to do something to make people care and understand what we're trying to do here with the Savannah Bananas. And that's when we went completely crazy. And fortunately, uh, it's worked out. So I want to step back in that moment. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs we've talked to over the years, like one of the greatest tension points in relationships happen when the finances are gone. Know, are gone, right? So how did the two of you work through that? To, I mean, what, 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 where were you at in that moment? Emily, could you share a little? You know, from the beginning, it was just a partnership between us. And fortunately, neither of us really want anything lavish in life. We just want to have fun together and at the ballpark with our community. And so there really wasn't any debate. It was just, this is what we need to do to reach the goal that we have well, set together. Well, we had no options. I mean, if you think about it, we had no options. I mean, we were sleeping on an airbed in the middle of the night when I'd get water, I'd come back to the airbed and Emily would get airborne because I just, it was this tiny little airbed. I mean, we had to, we, we, had to make it work. we like, we, we can't sleep on an airbed the rest of our life. We got to figure something out. So, I mean, it, I, we get asked that question a lot. Like, how did you guys deal with it? It was like, we were that much in debt. We had bought a team. You have to be all in on it. Like we just had yeah. to work together. And that's, that's what we did. You know, looking back, I think people would have said we're crazy, but we didn't think there were any other options. Was that when you then changed the name of the team? Like, was that the the like the pivot moment for the whole thing? Yeah, there was no there was no team name. It so. hadn't been named oh. yet, so we okay. had just started the expansion franchise and hadn't named it yet. But this really told us, okay, you do need to go crazy with this because we yep. do need to create the attention. And, and nobody wanted that. Just just to be clear, like we had to name the team contest, and we had over a thousand suggestions and. Sailors, they were all normal. skippers, ports, anchors, spirits, Braves. all boring names. We only had one person crazy enough to suggest bananas. But when we saw that, we were like, oh, we could have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. And, you know, we, you know, we could have a male cheerleading team called the Mananas. You know, our mascot could be split. We could do all these go, go bananas, all these crazy things. And so we named it and our first shipment of t-shirts came in and uh, bananas was actually misspelled. We actually had too many N's in bananas. So our first shipment of t-shirts, we, it's a tough word. we yeah. used, <laughs> used the logo. I mean, we completely butchered that. Um, we failed in every front, except we got attention. And locally, I mean, mm -hmm. they were saying so many messages. The owners should be thrown out of town. You guys are embarrassment to the city. You'll never sell a ticket. But finally, they knew who we were. And that wow. was the first step to getting attention into when they could actually see the experience that we were going to deliver. And now, I mean, now it's like, it's hard to get a ticket, right? Like you have, or you can't get tickets from what I understand. Maybe, maybe there is some, maybe if I like, Maybe if you knew the owners. Know you right now. Yeah, maybe you could hook me up. I mean, you know, if we did an interview one day. It's <laughs> funny. If you go back, you know, we sold only two tickets. And now since that first season, you know, the first game, the fans showed up and they saw our team in green uniforms because we weren't quite ripe. And we played uh, absolutely terrible, but they saw the banana nanas and they saw every ticket was all inclusive. And our players were delivering roses to little girls in the crowd and the dancing players and the banana baby. They saw all that. They told everybody. And so from that opening night, we've sold out every single game and the wait list just hit 12,000 for tickets. So wow. USA Today did the story last year. People were paying 10 times face value, $150, $200 for tickets just to have a chance to come, come in. So are you adding seats this year is that part of the goal no that would be that would make too much sense for us no right it's <laughs> normal like well of course no uh we said let's do something even crazy uh, we're doing a world tour so we're just taking our show all over the world and how we did this in normal fashion we did a one city world tour last year 
So we went to one city and called it the One City World Tour in Mobile, Alabama, of all places. But for some reason, uh, we sold 7,000 tickets in 24 hours. And uh, now we're going to seven cities this spring. It's amazing. What an adventure. This is crazy. I know. So, okay, in this whole crazy story of work and how you're passionate about it and this purpose and all that, you are now also raising a family and family and kids started playing a part of this for you. How did adding kids to your life change your work? And go ahead, Emily, with this one. Well, we had Maverick, our first little guy in the beginning of May and like what, two weeks? 2018, May 4th, 2018. Yeah, two weeks later was opening night. And so don't you know it, Jesse's got our two-week-old down on the field, holding him up above his head as the official banana baby, as everyone sings the Lion King. Oh my. (laughs) 4,000 people singing it. So so. right from the beginning, I mean, the and that was the plan, that the kids were just going to be involved. If we were, this was going to be a family business, him, you know, Mm. both of us were just so invested at, the time in the team that we knew that it was going to be a family business. Since then, fortunately, we have grown. It's not just the two of us running things anymore. Uh, we have 25 full-time people now. And so wow. he and I have been able to take a step back from day-to-day operations because our kids are little and we don't want to miss that time. So while we're still extremely involved in the team and he does wake up in the middle of every night to write down ideas and you know we, we still love it, we are also able to balance that with staying home with kids and being there for those moments with them too. And Emily, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's, it seems like Jesse's crazy. A, a big, yeah, maybe that's a good, maybe that would be lots a lots big personality, lots of, lots of ideas, super creative, nothing. He can't do anything like half-assed, right? He has to go all in. How do you handle that? Like where you're like, where you don't squash his ideas, but like there's realities in the world, right? Yeah. And that's actually a big conversation between us because he is the dreamer and I am the refiner and it's just the way that our personalities are. And so he's had to say, Hey, can the first words out of your mouth not be the logistical reason of why this can't work? You know, can we at least elaborate? Like fake it for a second, right? (laughs) Or just have the conversation with me. Don't crush my dreams. And so I have had to learn to communicate better. And so, you know, he does so much studying and reading and listening. And so he does know a lot of the experts who come up with these ideas of, hey, we have different personality types and this is how we're going to work together. And this is how we're going to flourish. And so when he brings those podcasts or books to me, I'm able to say, hey, this is going to help our communication. And so while he is a larger than life personality, um, and that is a lot to handle most of the time, I've always known that about him. And so really now it's just me adjusting how I perceive that and communicate back with him and make sure that I'm not, you know, raining on his parade all the time. Dream crushing. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it, and Jesse and flip side is like, I, I saw you do a post recently about like the two of you guys, I think you had some kind of weekend away or a night away or something. And you had this ideal, you can explain it better. Like what you thought was going to happen in this weekend was not what is that not what happened? Can you explain what happened? Every day I wake up, I do 10 ideas and I write in my journal of big dreams. I'm staring right now in my office. I got numerous pictures of Walt Disney and, you know, quotes, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. So I'm constantly thinking about doing the impossible, doing things no one's ever done before. That is larger than life. So 
when I get together, so that was our family retreat. We've been doing this for four years. So in business, you know, often have a retreat where you get together strategy, goals, vision, where you're going. But in families, it's like, oh, honey, where are you going next week? What are we doing? Are we? It's just constantly just talking to each other, but not in a real deep session. So we started this four years ago and it was great. We'd plan our years out. We'd plan our goals. We'd plan what our words were for the year. And finally, I was like, the biggest thing we did for the bananas was we planned a vision for 2025. And it was huge for us. In the middle of COVID, it got everyone on the same page. So I was like, oh, family, you know, let's do a family vision 2025. I was like, we're going to do this. Like, and I have all this, I wrote down goals, like for the last like, couple of weeks, I've been writing it down. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I sit down, I'm sharing her podcast. I'm sharing videos. I'm like, oh, we're ready to go. And, and Emily's like, yeah, I don't, yeah, this isn't, ah, this doesn't get me excited. And I'm like, doesn't get you excited. Like this is everything. And, 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 and so I had to take a step back. And for me, you know, you have to meet people often, you know, where they are. And for someone who's studying this and constantly reading every book, the magic of thinking big and dreaming big and everything along those lines, I'm always here. I'm at the top. And Emily's like, all right, where are the kids going today? What's going on with this? All right. I have a property here. I have this like, which makes complete sense. So it took so much for me to kind of take a step back. We spent over six hours Debating? Um, debating, almost talking about, in my sense, nothing, but it was very important. It was, it was <laughs> right. of, of, of connecting. I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my point is. It sounds like Emily won the debate just for the, I'm not saying there's a winner and loser. I'm just kind of. <laughs> it's another one of those times where we could see each other better. You know, yeah. he understood me deeper in that. And so that helped him adjust his, um, you know, goals That's for good. the weekend and, and his outlook. Yeah. You got to be here. You got to be here. I think biggest the big dreamers are often there. They're in the future. And so for me, it was be here, be here, be in that state, enjoy, have a great time and have that empathy. And so it actually helped us. And I would say over the last week, two weeks, we're probably the closest we've ever been yeah. because of that retreat. Even though I walked out with no life, no plan, no goal, no <laughs> revision, none of all those things I had on my paper, but we walked out closer, which will make us probably accomplish those goals even closer. I think it's so interesting. You guys share that. I, I love the story because... I feel like Andre and I try to create a rhythm of um, a couple times a year, at least getting one night away from kids. And, and we end up talking about like real things that are happening in life. And it usually starts with a pretty real fight. Like you have to kind of get through something to be able to move. Is that? Oh, yeah. Every travel. Every vacation yeah. always starts with a nice. But day. then you that then you reset. Yeah, then you reset. Strategy. I, I think there's something there. All right, so open with a big fight, and then we'll kind of try to figure it out the rest of the way. All right. So if you, as you're talking about like your dreams and your passions, do you have this idea of what you want your whole family to be known for, or where? That was a plan last week. So we actually yeah. had that. So that was so my not, goal. That, that, was, that was on the <laughs> that, was, that was on the agenda. We're still not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, let's talk about That's some logistics. So I'll I'm, let you know when we get there. Yeah, yes. I love it. I love Maybe it. Maybe it's going to be your 2030 plan. I mean, baseball games are long, right? They're usually in the evenings and on weekends. So how do you guys deal with that? as a couple because it's like games start at seven o'clock at night i don't know making up a, a time but roughly right and they'll and they last three it's Forever. a lo the longest sports event ever let's be honest that's why we invented a new game banana ball with a two-hour time limit that's a whole nother story but like, started on <laughs> that. all right that's a whole nother story uh, i need that in my life <laughs> i love it but like that creates hard i'm sure it's difficult for you guys for 
time, yeah, to connect and be together. So yeah. with two, three-year-olds and a baby? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things we've said from early on is we want to be leaders for our people and just for anybody who's watching. I mean, Jesse's built a pretty big platform. And so we are very real about this, that we do not do it all ourselves. It's it's really hard when you watch people on social media and you're thinking that she's a terrific mom and how is she juggling all this? Well, the real thing about us is that we have amazing family who take our kids all the time. Um, we just had an au pair come and live with our, our family. And so while we were using babysitters for a couple of years and nannies, that was great. But now we actually have somebody who lives with us and travels with us. So when we go to these conferences, they can stay in the hotel and build forts. And Jesse and I both get to go to sessions. And when we have baseball games late at night, he and I can both go and work and get home at two in the morning and our kids are safe and happy and healthy at home. So it, it does sound insane. How are you both working all these hours and doing this? It's, it's because we have help. Um, we have trusted people who we have invested in. And you know, obviously we're with the kids all morning and day is the goal. And then we'll leave in the afternoon, go to the stadium, and then we're at the stadium for 12 hours. So currently that's what the setup looks like. I mean, I think that there is something to say about community and that how like we can't do any of this alone for sure. So we wouldn't be able to. Well, I, I think I think chasing energy and, and, and things that you love and enjoy. And I think obviously there's a lot of sacrificing that happens. But my question is, do you have to sacrifice? Do you have to really sacrifice the things you love or can you get help where you need it? And I think you look at the greatest businesses. I often, I look at a business and then reverse engineer it to a family. And I know it sounds crazy, but I look, all right, how do businesses able to have this growth and also their people have freedom to do what they love and what they enjoy? Well, they delegate, they eliminate, you know, and they bring in the right people at the right times to help them and do what they love. And I don't think a mother, a father, whoever has to sacrifice their complete days um, and take away their happiness. I, I think there's ways to work around that. And again, I'm speaking for someone who's got an amazing wife who, who takes on so much of this, but that's what we're trying to, that was the goal of the retreat is how can we ach achieve all the amazing things that we want in life and that bring us happiness while also feeling like, you know, we're not drowning day to day, which often happens for so many families. And Emily, it seems like part of that, I think it, a new part of the adventure, I don't know how long it's been happening is foster care, right? Like, has this been a, can you kind of share a little bit about that? journey for you? And so it's always been just on my heart kind of to, to somehow help other families or kids. And I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but when COVID first started, we were at home and Jesse gave me a book called everything is figure outable by Marie Forleo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I read the book and about halfway through it, it just kept hitting home the point that things are going to be complicated, but everything is figure outable. And so while foster care had been on my heart recently, we travel a lot. We have insane hours. We don't stay in one state. You know, there were all of these negative points that were telling me, you can't do this right now. It's not going to work. But I read this book and I said, you know what? There's going to be a way to figure it out. And so we moved forward and we filled out um, the application and we talked to people in the field. And yeah, we became a foster, a licensed foster family. It took us about nine months because we were doing virtual trainings and we were doing this during our season and with a two-year-old, but it was on our hearts and it's something that we really wanted to pursue. And so we just made it work. And so we were licensed um, just over a year ago and our first call for a placement came just shortly after. And so we've had one little girl with us for a year and another um, little girl with us for about three months. 
So our family is growing in that way. And it's going to constantly be evolving because the goal in foster care is reunification. So the goal is for us to take care of these kids and keep them healthy and happy while their families get the help that they need so that we can reunify. Um, that won't always work out. And so who knows what will happen when we get to that point. But currently they're with us um, temporarily. And so we have three kids temporarily and foster care has just become a huge passion for both of us as we've learned more about the system. At first it was just, yeah, we want to do this. And now it's like, okay, there's a real problem um, in this country and we we want to help. So can I share someone on this? I think there's a yeah. little so it was so, you know, how do you get people to join on a dream with you and on that journey? And, you know, this wasn't foster wasn't even on my radar because, you know, I'm an only child. My dad was an only child. My dad's dad, dad was an only child. My dad's dad's dad, dad was an only child. I come from like Five generations 36 of generations of one boy. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. The odds don't make sense. But so like, that was my family. Like I, I had a small family. I never, you know, she came with, uh, she had three brothers, you know, family of, of six. And so that's what she was used to. And Foster was like, oh, all right, I understand there's a need. But then she spoke my language and she said, Jesse, there's 500,000 kids in the US who don't have a home right now. And for me, as a dreamer who tries to make the biggest impact, as soon as I remember exactly where we were, we're at dinner, right after going to a session, she told it to me. I go, I'm in, let's do this. It takes one, one step at a time. And just like we say, you know, every game is someone's first game to create a fan. Every day is one person, you know, first opportunity to create something special and make an impact. So she told me that and she spoke my language. And I was in, and then as soon as I brought, you know, the amazing girl into our life and saw, you know, she only had two words, she had gashes over her head. She was malnutrition. She was, it was, it was bad. And to see this and see how we could help. I was in, I was like, this needs to happen. And, you know, I guess that goes into even like six months later when one morning I'm writing down ideas and I'm thinking about this mm -hmm. and I come running downstairs, I go, Emily, I got it. You know, hers like, all right, roll her eyes. That, what, happens, what do, that happens a lot. What do you have today, Jesse? What are we building? What are we doing? And I said, Emily, all right, there's such a need. And we are tra traveling all over the country. Our tour is going to go all over the country and worldwide. There's an opportunity to really spread this message in a different way. What if we create Bananas Foster? And so we create a nonprofit arm where every city we go to, no matter where we go, we're building not only awareness, we're getting more families to sign up. We're helping the kids in every city we grow with the bananas. We also grow this huge need that's in this country right now. And I saw her eyes light up and I was like, all right, we got something. And so I get excited. And, and again, it's speaking that same language. How can we be on the same page on it? And now I'm, I'm hundred percent all in. Yeah. So um, it's interesting speaking the same language. I mean, that, is hard to do for couples, right? Like, and takes time and energy. What have been ways that you guys have found um, to kind of get on the same page? What what does bring the two of you together to speak a similar language to get to get through that? I think the simple answer is communication. Uh, when we had Maverick, you know, we had been used to having our own life and all this time to talk. And so once we had Maverick, Jesse made us commit to weekly date nights. And it sounds unattainable and crazy. And yes, there are a few times that we miss it because one of us is traveling or something. But for the most part, we stick to it. And we're big um, movers. So like we're always walking. So we walk to all of our dates, which we have found is a really good way for us to communicate. We're not staring at each other across the table stationary. Hmm. We are moving and we're not face-to-face. -face. And so we walk to all of our dates pretty much weekly, and then we'll sit down and have a drink or have dinner. And then we walk home. And so it's multiple hours of uninterrupted 
movement talking. And so we have a lot of clarity on those. And I think just the, the repetition of talking every week helps us not fall too far out of sync. Mm-hmm. And I'll second that. I think it, it, how you view things is how you do things. The lens that we look at for everything is gratitude. And we've really changed a book that's been a game changer for us is the gap in the gain about, you know, how do you, uh, you look at happiness and you look backwards. You don't focus on that ideal, that expectation and focus on being here versus there. And so every night we've been doing this for three or four years before we go to bed, even if I'm in another city, we, we, text. we text or we call each other and said, what are the roses? Uh, and what is the bud? And for the night and roses are something great that happened during the day. And a bud is something you're looking forward to. And so every day, all we do is we look forward. To, I, I, I'll tell her like in the morning, I just had amazing rose. Can't wait to share more with you. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that gratitude and the things that are happening around us, not the things that happen bad. And so that helps us and to communicate the positivity, the fun, the good, and see that wherever we look. So you guys are so positive. I love it. Uh, Emily, like <laughs> I, I actually read similar quantity of books as Jesse. I cut my background. I mean, all the things I, my dad was worked for John Maxwell when I was one year old. I led leadership events. I led leadership. This is like my world. Okay. And I, Andre doesn't really want to read all the books that I would recommend her to read. Like in, and cause I'm like, this could be great. And she has, it depends. Sometimes she does. I have to like push her. I mean, are you always on board with that? mindset now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm already feeling a little bit better now. (laughs) Well, and I used to love to read, but now, I mean, we have three kids and I'm up multiple times a night and I I can't, I I do the night shift when I'm here. You do. But I actually fall asleep when I read now. So again, we've just learned how to communicate differently. He sends me podcasts. That's a game changer for me. I can listen to podcasts while I'm doing dishes. I can listen when I'm driving back from dropping the kids off somewhere. So the podcasts have helped a lot. And then I think the other thing is that he will give me the spark notes of a book. He knows when he reads a book, he knows what the important messages are. I don't need to read the whole book. He can sit down during one of our date nights and tell me, hey, this is what I got out of it. This is how I think it connects to our lifestyle. What do you think? And then we have a conversation about it. So he can be the guy who kind of filters down through all the, the, the words and all the messages and all the authors and bring back to me what is relatable to us. So that's something that I think has worked better for us and might work for you guys. That's I love it. And Jesse, your creativity. Uh, I'm guessing that you've done some pretty creative dates over the years. Jeez. <laughs> oh, now I'm getting uh, caught. I, now, I, uh, now I feel terrible. Oh, no? I see surprises. I do some... I yeah. Do... I mean, like, I love flying. So one time he oh. took me up flying. Yeah. yeah but we... that's like, that's elaborate. We don't, we really are not... That causes stress. Yeah. We're not elaborate people. We don't, <laughs> we don't, do, we don't do any gifts for we each other. We have never once bought each other. We don't do gifts. A gift and wrapped it. We do, we do oh. experiences. So what we do is we plan trips. Okay trip. We will plan a retreat, but uh, you know, anything that causes stress, what are they going to get me? What should I get them? Is it good enough? Did I spend enough? Did I spend too much? Like anything that involves lots of decision-making and stress, it just doesn't add to our life. Well, and to be fair, gift giving or receiving is not either of our love life. It's not our love language. It might work for some people, but for us, it's walking to dinner and spending time. That's a love language. No, no, no. I'm just saying quality time. time. Yeah. That quality quality time. time. Yeah. For us, that means more. So we don't, we try not to put stress on it. And, and I don't want him to, you know, work really hard to come up with a creative date because 
I'll probably veto it and be, you know, the, the realistic one that says, ah, oh, we need to be home in so, three hours. So I'll, I'll plan our retreat. So like, I'll try to find a really cool place. Like I found, you know, where we went to old Edwards Inn and we, we ever been there. So I'll look for those, book those and say, Hey, this is where we get to go or, right. or a trip and stuff. So that makes it easier for us. Yeah. But yeah, but we keep it simple, but I should be better. You just made me feel terrible about my life. Like I was like, <laughs> 90% of our date nights, like we literally just walk to the local restaurant and walk to one of the restaurants and just talk like, that's it. But we don't put a lot of bandwidth into it. We can focus on ourselves. And I'm like, I am not that creative. Like I need to do an idea session on creative dates. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what you did. You're welcome. Sorry. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm better now. All right. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. And Emily, do you find the yellow tux sexy? Let's get like, right, like that's really just, <laughs> just, just, I'm having fun. I'm embarrassing Jesse. This is great. I have mixed feelings for it. You've never liked the yellow tux. Well, I like, oh, really? You like the message behind it. I'm not, I'm not a, I want to be in the spotlight person. So it's hard for me when he wears it because we get stopped everywhere we go, every airport, every restaurant, walking down the street. And Most people just think I'm crazy. Not everyone knows the bananas no, are awesome. They all know who you are. No, they, <laughs> but, and that's, it's lovely. And I, I'm appreciative that we have built a brand that's recognizable. So that part is definitely the positive. I'm just not a person that likes to be stopped in every situation and the answer yeah. is no. If I'm ever trying to make her attracted to me, it is 100 percent not wear that. It is it's where it's where it's where a fleece, it's where something comfortable. It is like I know like the stay I, at home, yeah, stay at home. So I'll go, oh, Jesse's at home. Like now nah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. I love it. But I think I think the the tuxedo, I mean, even in this call, you have this yellow tuxedo on yellow hat, um, which is amazing. It's part of the brand you've definitely built. And I think one of the things that's beautiful about it to me is this idea that um, when you're living something that you're passionate about, right? Like you're going to, you're going to breathe it. You're going to see it. People are going to see it on you. You're going to be sh sharing that vision in everything you do. Um, Jesse, I'm curious, do you ever get tired of sharing that vision? I mean, thinking about our entrepreneurs and our audience and how do you keep it fresh for you? You know, I, the easy answer would be like, Oh yeah, you know, hundred percent. But I don't, I think if you don't love something so much that you want to scream it on top of the mountaintops, you maybe haven't found your right thing. And I mean, I wrote my first book, I found you find your yellow tux and what makes you different. And I think it's, you know, it's passion, but also what makes you different. I think we, we want to talk about things that are unique that are set, you know, specific to us. And like, yes, the yellow tux is a, is a statement. It's more of what I, what I believe in standing for. And it's standing for something, um, you know, that makes you stand out your unique thing. And just owning it and amplifying it. You know, when I put this on, like this is not a completely different Jesse. This is just Jesse amplified times 10, and which is very dangerous for Emily and some other people. <laughs> but but what if we lived like that? You know, what if we I always say, like, you know, how do you get so much energy, Jesse? Well, it's simple. I do things that give me energy. And I think a lot of people they say, Oh, do what you love. Write down what gives you energy. What's on your energy list? And so I was very clear two years ago. I wrote down my energy list and I audit my days. If I'm having at the end of the day, if I'm tired and don't have energy for my kids, I didn't do things during the day that gave me energy. And I need to fix that the next day. Um, and so that's like, this gives me energy. It's creating, sharing and growing all in one. Those are my three special things. So at the end of this, I'll be fired up. I'll be ready to run through a wall. And Emily will be like, I'm going to need some time off, Jesse. Like this is enough. All right. <laughs> so it's just, it, it's part of, uh, it just, I love wearing it because not only that, it gives permission for people to be themselves and have fun. Like you know, get out your freak flag a little bit, be yourself. Don't have to conform and fit in. We weren't born to fit in. We were born to stand out. So like when I wear this, our staff knows like, Hey, I can have fun. I can dress up. I can throw underwear in the crowd. Like those are the things that happen at our games. And it's just like, let's do it. <laughs>
I think I gotta get Andre to come with me to Savannah and have this experience at some point this I year. I hope I'm you make, make me like baseball because I won't really make you good. like baseball, but I will. I, I think I'll make you like the bananas and, and banana. Okay, okay, okay. I can do that. Now there's a baseball game going on. I mean, that's oh, that's, that's the even best better. Thing. That's the best thing we hear. Like we've had uh, my favorite reviews are people that come to our games that are rained out, and it was that was the most fun baseball game I ever went to, and they never threw a pitch. <laughs> we have a three-hour rain delay script of entertainment. Like with everything, with our pep band, our break dancing coaches, our banana nanas, we're bringing in a youth group, the banana splits, like a youth dancing group this year. We have a magician, Savannah magician. I mean, the, the characters that we have, it's ridiculous. So it's putting on a Broadway show, even if it's raining. And so like, so like we actually fans, when it's pouring rain, they say, you got to go to the ballpark. It's hilarious to us. Like they, they line up to the ballpark when it's raining to see what we're going to do. Cause it's a completely different script. As a team, I'm guessing you have some pretty epic creative sessions. What does that look like to, to come up with these ideas? Just had one yesterday. Uh, yeah, we had, they're called idea paloozas. And so we started having them, uh, many years ago and now they're very specific. Like, so yesterday, what are the most outrageous things we can have going on in a dugout during a game? And so it was myself, our director of entertainment and two of our players, which we hired pro players to be with us year round, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I was like, all right, we, you know, can we have a bocce chef in the middle of the dugout doing hibachi? You know, can we have a player changing a diaper? You know, can we, we started going through all these ridiculous ideas, getting massages, uh, pedicures, literally having two women doing pedicures for our players while they're in the dugout. And so like, we just narrow down on these ideas. And then what we say is let's just do them. See, what people realize is we do four new promotions every single night uh, live in front of a crowd that we've never done before. So if you have 50 games, you're doing 200 promotions you've never done in front of a live crowd. The reality is 150 of them fail miserably. I mean, like like the horse head race where I put kids in horse heads and they couldn't see. And so one ended up a right field, one went against the wall, one's at the pitcher's mound and the game was delayed for five minutes. And I'm like yelling, all right, guys, everybody off the field. But they couldn't hear me either. Like, you know, that one happens. You know, living pinata. I thought putting an intern in a turtle costume and <laughs> bats and hitting him where he throws candy in the air would be fun, but that didn't go as well as we hoped. So, uh, every every single night, uh, every single night, something happens that we weren't planning for. So that's part. Oh of it. my goodness! But, but you either have success or you have a story, and we got a little bit of both a lot. And you know, the halftime shows and baseball games that go wrong, and that's what makes it fun. You mean, mm, think about yeah. it. you do things you've never done before and see how they ha- see what happens. Now, I'm guessing also with that, I mean, a couple of follow-up questions related to the business side of it. I mean, on the staffing, I have a feeling people could get jobs other places, right? But the creativity that you have, I have a feeling is att- not only attracting people, but also retaining people. Is that is that a true true assumption? Yeah, we've been very fortunate with our with our staff. First of all, our our culture is is awesome. We have so much fun. People are dressing up all the time. Today is what Cowboy Cowboy Friday. Cowboy Friday. They, they were they, they had pogo sticks yesterday in the office. They just like yeah. do fun, crazy things, and they yeah. they come up with this stuff. This isn't us saying you have to dress up and be funky. Um, so our culture is awesome, and yeah, you know we've had multiple people who started with us our first year who are still there, and I think it's a lot of things. They they get ownership. They are allowed to kind of come up with ideas, and and we're not micromanaging them. Obviously, we're very involved, but it's for a lot of different reasons. But we've been very fortunate overall that the people who come in want to come, and once in a while, there is somebody who doesn't fit, and they weed themselves out. Honestly, yeah, we, I don't think we've I don't think we've let anybody go. 
it, it's just not that yeah. kind of culture because yeah. they they will say this, this isn't, isn't where me. I fit. This isn't for me, and and we part ways, and that's yeah. fine. But now we're at a point where the people who are there, the twenty five, are a really good crew. Everyone loves. I mean, they go out together every night. We're at it's, each yeah, other's weddings and baby. Show. I mean, we do everything together. Right. So, but it, it wasn't like that in the beginning. No. I mean, it was very hard to get people. To work, well, especially it was, a, it was a startup, especially you know, players like players, like you know, the first practice when we bring a dance instructor and say, Guys, before we practice, we're going to learn how to dance. I mean, a lot of guys are like, What are you doing? This is not what we're about. But the more we share, the more you can grow because you share who you are. And you know, even when we were looking for um, a group experience person two years ago, the post that we put all over the job sites was, Do not apply for this job. And we actually gave all the reasons on why you should not work for us, like detailed reasons. We are so clear on who we are not for. Not only just on our people, but in our brand. We are not for baseball traditionalists. We lose four to six season ticket holders every year because they said it's become too much of a circus. And I go, you're right. It has. And luckily, our wait list is significant. So we're okay. But now our intern wait list, we were told our intern wait list is over 800 just to be interns for the team. And it wasn't like that, but we scream who we are and that attracts the right people. And and the players, I mean, I guess the, at this point now they're bought in too. It's like if I'm going there, it's because I want this experience, right? Well, same thing. I mean, there's over a thousand guys who want to play for, for us 30, now because 30 people, yeah. they know what it's going to take, and but they also know what kind of platform they're going to be on. They know they're going to go viral on TikTok, yeah, and so right. it's a, it's a certain personality. <laughs> um, you know, obviously great athlete, but it's a certain personality who wants to come play for us. Somebody who doesn't want that lifestyle isn't even going to try. But no one gets a uniform until they go through Fans First You with me. And so the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. What is that? Explain explain Fans First You. Very simple. It's a, it's our whole onboarding program. And so it's everything that we do. We I mean we have we have Fans First playbooks. I mean we we are very clear on who we are and what we stand for. It's like traditions in Disney. It's Fans First You. So the name of our company Fans First Entertainment. Every decision we make is at Fans First. It's the reason why if people buy merchandise from us there's no shipping. You don't pay $100. No, Amazon Prime. You get a custom yellow box with a free koozie, a free decal. You get yellow tissue paper. You get a note that says it's been sprinkled with potassium. I mean, we get a thank you call from everybody. Everybody that buys merchandise, thousands of orders, you get a thank you call from our staff and you get a video sent to you. It costs us more than any probably order makes sense to before we even put the product in, but that's fans first. It's why every ticket in Savannah is all inclusive. All your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert, everything for $20. Like that's why no shipping, no, no ticket fees, no convenient fees, no parking fees. We don't want to. Do you make any money doing this? I'm just curious. I was... Okay. Good, 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 good. Uh, Well, tell me this. You guys been on a cruise before? Yeah. All right. You go on a cruise, right? All your yeah. food, your All basic. Everything's included. Yeah. Yeah. But do you maybe buy, you might buy a drink, some merchandise. You might buy some other things. You might buy some extra things because you feel like you're taking advantage of it. It's an unbelievable product and experience. We want our customers, our fans to come and say like, wow, they've given me so much. I'm going to go, I have to buy a shirt. I have to buy this. Right. What happens is they're wanting to do more because we've given them so much in return. Yeah. So answer your question, long story short, fans first, you players get in and I tell them the vision of what this team is, where it started, where we're going. And then I tell them stories that back up who we are. Everybody has core beliefs, but not many people have stories that back up those core beliefs. So I share stories about players on their first day when two kids come up and say, can I have an autograph? And the player, never forget, Brian Carnacion gets on his knee and says, only if I can have yours first. And these two kids, a five and a seven-year-old, sign Ethan and Steve on his hat. 
And now for the rest of the season, you watch our guys, you'll see their hats, you'll see their sleeves. They got kids autographs on their jerseys, on their hats, on their sleeves. And when you share those stories, people understand what this is about. It's larger than baseball. It's bigger than baseball. It's bigger than you hitting a double in the fourth inning. You're making a, a serious memory and an impact on kids' lives. And that's really what's built our culture into what it is. Oh my goodness. I'm, I, I'm in love and I don't like baseball. It's so great. I'm already in love. All right. Well, our last question that we ask every person that we interview every time, everywhere, every place is the question that we have always struggled with and continue to struggle with. And that is, do you think it's possible to change the world, stay in love and raise a healthy family? Absolutely. You're asking the most optimistic, positive. I knew your answer was <laughs> so, so, be. so the answer was no, that can never happen. Never. Nobody give up, quit right now on all of it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Everything is figure outable. There's a way. Yeah. I mean, you got to communicate, you got to put in the work, you have to have help, but absolutely. And and for me, it's always, you know, if you dream it, then start doing it and writing it down and making it happen. I think so many people, they have this aspiration of where they want to go, but they're not willing to write it down and look at it every day when they wake up and say, I'm going to do this. And I take steps to make that happen. And I think as, as big as our goals are business-wise, I think we have the same goals for our family and our life. Um, and it really comes down to simplicity for us. It's just happiness. I hate saying how cliche it is. If everybody's happy, if, if our son uh, you know, doesn't want to be involved in the team, if they don't want it, that's okay. Like whatever makes him happy. People are like, are you getting him into baseball? I'm like, if he wants to play baseball, but he'd rather be a part of the banana pep band. Like that's what he wants to do. He goes around playing like a saxophone, the banana pep band. Awesome. All right, let's do it. And so I think it's all possible, but I think you have to be able to commit to writing it down, believing it and talking about it and not just have it out there. Keep it in front of you on a daily basis. And I think we talk about that regularly. Now it's time for the breakdown. I mean, they got some energy. Talk about breaking it down. They have dances with baseball players on choreographed, choreographed, ready to go. Field. I mean, they're <laughs> ready. It will be a dream of mine to actually go see this. Oh, one baseball game you'll go with me. I to. mean, we do have a connection. Maybe. So I mean, maybe. I gotta, we're going to have to work hard. I mean, to I don't know. We might be tickets. on the wait list. I am on a list right now. When it happens, I'm going to buy some tickets. I think he made a believer out of me. Oh. You know, I very much dislike baseball. So I hope I, I hope I am. So changed. you're a believer and a, what Cynic? is the Justin Bieber, a, a, a Bieber, <laughs> Bieber, Bieber? I don't know, honey. I don't know why you're bringing Bieber into this. All right. But so let's talk about them. Let's talk about it. So I thought it was very interesting, their dynamic of the dreamer and the doer yes. person. They called it dreamer and refiner. I was so much, so much very happy with this refiner concept. <laughs> I mean, so much more. So I that I can refine versus your, dream you. crusher, dreamer and dream crusher. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I love being a refiner. Yeah, they're great. I um, yeah, I mean that's something we could definitely relate with. Um, because I definitely see the optimistic side of this whole conversation. Oh yeah, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. I'm a positive thinker. I'm a dream bigger mentality. There's usually someone that's impacted by that. And it's usually your family. Yes. I mean, the best example of their goal planning session that he had all thought out and ready to talk about their like 
10-year goals and their vision as a family and all of that. And she put the squash and kibosh on that one real quick. Well, and isn't that a true story that each of us individually have a perspective like this is how our family's going to run. Expectation. And expectation. Often also preset on your own family experience. Family of origin, right. And I mean, and historically, it's probably something that says the man is in charge. <laughs> if I'm really honest, there's a paternal. Yeah, because that's often how our families were back then, right? Yes. And so we're all trying to reimagine what that looks like, reframe our thinking, reset, which the great part about that story was they had to work through, I think he said for six hours working through it. Like that's actually the process that it takes for us as men oftentimes to grow in our thinking, to see things from a new perspective. And he sat in it and worked through it, right? That's the positive side of it. It's like, like it's going to take us rethinking how we see the world to operate in a true partnership. But also I think, yes, with seeing the world, but also just seeing your partner Mm-hmm. And where your partner is right at that moment. At that moment. How so they're she thinking, how they're was not in that. a vision mindset. Exactly. She had details that needed to be figured out because she was probably stressed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he had to meet her there at that space. And so I think that seeing your partner where they are specifically is beautiful. Which is, right? goes right along with our questions at the end of chapter two. I mean, we talk about family of origin, the tensions of these things, where are you at this moment? And getting it, I mean, one of the greatest things you can do, if you haven't read chapter two yet, just skip up to the talk about a section and ask those four questions to your partner mm-hmm. and talk about it together. Some things will come out. It might be hard for a minute, but it will be better. In the end, one thing else that, that they shared a lot, and I know some people on our team were really impacted by this, was the idea that they're both going hard after it, but they had to get some help. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's something we talk about a lot. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that even more in the book later, but how they literally cannot do this without support and help behind them. So I thought their story was so, so impacting and positive. Good Lord, I needed some positivity in my life. So it was beautiful. What a great start to our book club to kind of bring an adventurous story in because that's how our story began. And then we're going to go get into deeper into the books in weeks ahead. So, okay, next week, read chapters three and four. Be ready because we have, we got It's going to be a doozy. I'm going to be surrounded by friends this next week, which is going to be great. Bunch of guys... I know, you guys, we're switching it up. Like next week, it's all men. It's all the dudes. next week after that, it's all women. Next week's going to be great. The next week, I, I don't know. You're going to be outnumbered. <laughs> That's another episode of Love or Work. This episode was recorded by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.